contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Hello there. We are in your ears and possibly in your car, but not in the way you're thinking. We're football and other F-words. Appreciate you tuning in. As always, I'm joined by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. And if you're wondering who I am, my name is Michael Gillum. I was not on the podcast last week, but I'm happy to be back this week. Um, we've got several topics to cover with you, even though it's the offseason. The first one I'm going to start with is one that Zach doesn't even want to talk about. But for the final time, unless he runs through a stop sign and mows down a bunch of pedestrians, which is very likely the way he's acting. Isaiah Wilson was cut after three days with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Mike, how devastated and surprised were you? Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I just immediately thought about all the Dolphins fans who, when, you know, the news came out that, that he'd been traded, were <laughs> rushing into mentions and saying, oh, you guys didn't know how to help this guy. I can't believe you bailed on him that the Dolphins and, and Flo are going to get him back on track because they went to the same high school and he's got a teammate from Georgia who's on the offensive line here. And, and this is going to be a steal. Well, you, you're going to regret giving up on this guy. But three days three days he lasted and he reportedly uh was late to his physical which it's a miracle he, he actually hours late <laughs> hours late to his physical people it's were saying this is what kills me people were saying he was late like he showed up a half hour late 45 minutes later or something multiple hours late that's insane so so yeah shows up late to his physical shows up late to his orientation i guess at the building or whatever uh and then skips two workouts that he promised that he would go to which they're not not mandatory workouts you can't have mandatory workouts this time of year but if you're a guy in wilson's position and you promise a team as part of like the stipulation of us trading for you well i'm gonna go to these workouts and you're gonna see a new me and then you know show this is what happens right like and of course the videos of him dancing on cars and driving for like minutes on end without looking at the horrible, which was scary, scary as can be not to mention the fact that it appeared he had a bottle of lean sitting next to him uh, in the vehicle. Like this guy is a walking, talking, like really sad story about to happen. Um I don't think he belongs anywhere close to the NFL. He, he needs like personal help. And I hope he gets it just like, cause I don't want him to end up killing someone. Cause that's, that's where this is going right now is he's going to end up in a vehicle incident that kills somebody. And that's yeah, going to probably be the next time we hear about him. Um, no, I know. And that's, and I hope that doesn't happen. And that's precisely why I was saying this is probably the final time we discuss him unless he does something horrible, because like you, unfortunately the, the trajectory it looks like he's on is that, the only time we're going to hear his name again is when he does something stupid and possibly extremely criminal that's going to get someone else hurt. So um, best of luck to you, buddy. That doesn't look too good. You already had two teams that have completely walked from you. I just, I, I cannot believe he got cut after. Actually, I can believe that he got cut after three days, but just, man, cut after yeah. three. I look, people in the, in the final kind of thought on this, people are throwing out, oh, well, he needs to go to the XFL or whatever. Dude, he didn't want to play in the NFL for no. multiple millions of dollars. He's going to go play yeah. for the XFL for 55000 a year. This guy doesn't yeah. love football. He loves he spending the money that he thinks is endless. 
Look, I think we can we can pretty well know now that what this is is this was a big big kid who grew up big, realized at some point, hey, football is is a path to a paycheck for me, Um, and he took it. Like he worked hard enough his three years at Georgia to to get that paycheck, cashed in, and then did whatever he wanted to after that. Like that was, that was his path to getting, you know, a few million dollars in his pocket and we'll see how quick he blows through it. But um, yeah, this, this guy doesn't want to play football. I would not want him anywhere near, uh, you know, my, my, you know, high school team, much less anywhere, any, anything at a professional level. Like I don't, the way he's driving, I don't want to be anywhere near any school. No, school no, I, homes, nothing. This I man. hope he, I hope he stays in Miami, nowhere near Nashville. Like I just don't come back to Nashville ever again, please. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, all right, let, let's shift gears because the Titans have been moving into free agency. And frankly, I want Zach to be able to talk today since he refused to discuss. I, I, was I made a promise to our listeners that we would never, t- that at least I would never talk about Isaiah Wilson on this podcast again. And I'm, I, I'm a man of my word. Well, that's it. We don't have anything else to discuss until nope. he wrecks an airplane or something. So, um, all righty. Where was I? Josh Reynolds, the Titans have picked up Josh Reynolds, uh, wide receiver from the Rams. Uh, is this a one-year contract? Actually, we were just joking before the podcast. The Titans are just not releasing any contract details, but from what we could tell, it's a one-year deal. Um, Mike, what do you, do you like the signing? I, I do like the signing, and, and you know, I, I expect the money to be pretty small on this deal. Like Prices have been coming down in free agency um and one year deal guy that that isn't you know super experienced as far as being like a top uh option in the passing game but did have a, a nice year last year 618 yards a couple touchdowns uh kind of in his first opportunity to really be among the top 3 uh targets in that Rams passing attack the fact that he comes from the Rams i think makes this signing make even more sense the Rams run a lot of the same passing com- concepts obviously McVay's offense that's where LaFleur came from LaFleur installed the Titans offense and yes it was Arthur Smith last year but a lot of the concepts are still that LaFleur McVay you know original offense that was installed here three years ago and and Downing is going to continue with a lot of that stuff that's that's what this offense is built to run um so I don't think it's going to be a tough terminology jump for, for Reynolds. I don't think it's going to be a tough jump as far as concepts, what they want to see um, from him. So I think a lot of that makes sense. It should be a pretty seamless transition. Big guy, six, three um, really nice catch radius. Like the thing that jumps out to me about him is hands uh, ability to adjust to bad balls, like playing with, Jared Goff he had to do a lot of that uh you know if you watch some of uh some of his tape you you can see like passes behind him passes at his feet passes way over his head like he's adjusting making catches making making Goff look better uh than he really was um and I think he brings a sneaky vertical element like the guy isn't a burner by any means but uh he's certainly got a good top end speed um and and you can get on top of the defense with this guy and he's really good at tracking uh you know on on a deep ball so I like the signing from a lot of levels I think it certainly reduces the immediate need for wide receiver um a little bit like you've got AJ Brown you've got Josh Reynolds we're going to talk a little bit more about how they view some of the other guys on the roster a little bit later but um you've got at least two guys that are 
proven quality starters at this point, which is good uh, in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's 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 man, it's like whelming, right? I mean, like it's not a, yeah, it's, it's he's fine. He's better than Adam Humphreys, and you hope that he doesn't catch whatever Adam Humphreys caught in Nashville with the injury bug. But you're talking about a guy that has never missed a game in his career. He's played at out of all 16 games, he's at least played in some for some form fashion. He's had snap counts, right? In in every, all 16 games for the last four years, I believe it's four years. He, I mean, you're right. He knows the system. He's a willing blocker in the run game. Now, there are some times where he's not a great run blocker in the run game, but you know, hey, we can fix that. That's no problem. But he, he he's does at least block. An effort guy. Yeah. yeah, he's an effort guy, and he's reliable. I mean, our own Justin Mello, Broadway Sports. He did say it's a one year. I mean, you're expecting really low cost and approve it year. I mean, I expect like 700 yards and maybe five touchdowns. And I think that's great out of Josh Reynolds because that makes up for what we've all said. You get the same touchdown production out of what you got Corey Davis last year. And it's just a few, you know, hundred less yards and, you know, big scheme of things. You hope that there's a rookie involved. There's the possibility of Sam, Sammy Watkins involved to make up the production that you're missing from losing both Humphreys and Corey Davis. It, it's it's a good signing. Like, I get it. I know everybody would have rather had Kenny Galladay or would have rather had um, Juju Smith-Schuster or any of these wide receivers that were out on the market that are gone. And you may still want Antonio Brown more than anything. Um. You know, here's the thing. This team, according to Joe Rexroad and according to tweets that I've seen um, Paul Karski throw out in some threads and some replies, you know, when Marvin Jones side, Texans weren't or Titans weren't in on uh, Marvin Jones and, and stuff like that. This is from his athletic article that just dropped before we recorded. Reynolds helps some, more help is needed, but a source said the Titans were never into the top guys on the market, and here's why. Nick Westbrook-Akine. I... And, and he, he goes, he goes yeah. on to say that they view um, Nick Westbrook-Akine as, as a guy who can be a bigger role in the offense, and he also they also mentioned that the view inside the building is that Davis's breakout last season had a lot to do with AJ Brown and Derrick Henry and that they think a guy, you know, a less talented guy at a wide receiver two spot can get them by or can, can put up similar, you know, results to what they saw from Davis uh, because of matchups and because of just the attention that those guys bring onto themselves. Yeah, it's it's a risky it's a risky bet. I mean, you are betting on yourself. And listen, there are worse co- positional coaches to bet on than Rob Moore on this staff. And you know, I, I think that maybe Rob Moore can do something. Obviously, you have to have faith in these guys. It's just scary heading into the you know, it's just a little scary for this team that was a fantastic offensive team that you know. Technically, they're two and three in their eyes is Josh Reynolds and Nick Westbrook-Akine. 
and it's a little scary. And you you hope that this doesn't prevent them from drafting someone or prevent them from possibly being in the Sammy Watkins sweepstakes, which is being rumored. Um, yes, it's by an account that you should be a little skeptical of, but they have been right. They had the Dory stuff before anybody. They they've called and they they've claimed that their sources have gotten them other places, but. Then you have Schefter's tweeting, and 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 Mike alluded this to in just a tweet just now that maybe the interest was pre Josh Reynolds and Sammy Watkins with the Titans, and this with the Josh Reynolds signings is a little bit of evidence of that, right? And and Rex Road kind of he he replied to that tweet that I put out and said that's his understanding as well is that the Watkins interest was pre Josh Reynolds, not in in addition to Josh Reynolds kind of situation, so. I get the sense that the Titans are probably done at wide receiver, which yeah, another guy that we haven't mentioned yet that factors in and Rex Hurd mentions him in the piece as well as a guy that they view as a, a, someone who could potentially give them more than what maybe some people are considering is Marcus Johnson. And I put out, you know, a, a little, big a little tongue in cheek. I put a, out a little tongue in cheek uh, tweet about, you know, looking at Marcus Johnson and trying to talk myself into him being a wide receiver too. But there's some stuff with Marcus Johnson. I actually did go back and watch quite a bit of him from the Colts. He does have a, a you know some production under his belt uh, already as an NFL player. He's he's played uh, pretty well for the Colts. Colts people who have watched the team and covered the team like Marcus Johnson quite a bit, and and were a little bit upset when he uh, was not kept around. You know, he joined the Titans practice squad late last season. But the guy's peer, appeared in 34 career games and, and has nine starts over the last two years. So it's not like he's a nobody. Um, you know, he hasn't put up huge numbers, but elite speed, four four three eight, I think, speed at, at 6'1", 207, which is uh, pretty impressive. His biggest issue has been injuries and inconsistency. I, you know, you could see him honestly being – a Khalif Raymond upgrade. Um, I could easily see that being the case um, for, for next season. You probably don't want him to be like one of your top three wide receivers and on the depth chart, but if he's four, I'm, I'm fine with that personally. Um, so it's, I think there's some interesting pieces in the Titans wide receiver room. None of them are going to make you feel great when you write them down on paper. Like if you're writing out the depth chart and you say, all right, AJ Brown, Josh Reynolds, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akina, Marcus Johnson, Cameron Batson. Like that doesn't look great on paper. And I get that, but I, I do have some, at least some faith in the Titans getting stuff out of, out of a wide receiver group that may not be star studded. Because if you look back over the last two years, like in 2019, Corey Davis did not play well. Um, he was hurt, which is a reason that he didn't play well, but he put up 600 yards and two touchdowns, which is, by the way, exactly what, uh, you know, Josh Reynolds put up with the Rams last year. And the Titans offense was still top 10. They were top five, really, after Tannehill took over that year. So the, I don't think this offense needs a star opposite A.J. Brown. There's a lot of examples around the league recently of offenses that have one star receiver and then kind of a bunch of guys like think about the saints with Michael Thomas, these last few years, think about um, uh, Devonte Adams and the Packers. There are, there are plenty of examples of that around the league working um, as long as you've got a stud. And I think everyone believes AJ Brown is really a stud receiver and won't be upset if he's funneled a few more targets, right? Like I wouldn't mind seeing more AJ Brown 
Wide receiver by committee, I guess, is what we're going to be <laughs> running out there. How do you think it could be this- A.J. Brown in a wide receiver by committee? Let, let's go off the assumption that exactly what um, Rex Road is writing is 100% true. Um, it, it, by the way, Joe Rex Road's article uh, with The Athletic is up now. It, it literally dropped like as we started recording this. Um, how does this do, do you feel like this changes the Titans' approach to wide receiver? Do you feel like they were always going after one in the first round or second round? Or uh, let's just run with this a bit. I, I think it, it scares I think they're me. going to draft somebody. I think they, they're going to draft like Cornell Powell in the fourth and it, or fifth and be done with it. I don't know. I, I don't think they, <laughs> unless Devontae Smith falls, I don't even think if Rashad Bateman's there, they may pass on Rashad Bateman at 22. That's kind of what this well, article see, tells a, me. They have a ton of needs. They have a ton of needs across the roster, right? Like not just – and not necessarily like they have to have day one starters. I, I think you could argue argue they need day one starters at, you know, maybe wide receiver, depending on your mileage on what you think of the wide receiver by committee approach. Um, but they probably need, you know, a guy that could play corner um, would be nice. So I, there are, but there's spots like they, they need a draft picket interior offensive line they need a draft pick at tight end they need a draft pick at edge they need a draft pick at inside linebacker they need a draft like they need a draft pick on the defensive line they need a draft pick at so many spots I kind of feel like this is a trade down spot like if they could get five or six picks in the top 100 I think you'd absolutely love that uh, if you're the Titans even if that means you're not necessarily getting a guy at 22 if you're sliding down to the back of the first round or even into the top of the second I would prefer to have five or six picks in the top 100 this year compared to a pick at 22 or even, you know, I I've seen some people, which let's put this to bed right now. They are not trading up for Kyle Pitts. Stop fantasizing about Kyle Pitts. He's not going to be a Titan. Like are they fantasizing Titan, or fetishizing? How about that? I feel like they're fetishizing. Is it they're fetishizing? Both. Yeah. It's, both. it's definitely, definitely both. both. It's yeah. Like it's gone from fantasy to I'm going to collect pictures of feet. Yeah. Can we talk yeah, about I mean, fantasy? Like, I mean, just stop we, fawning over pits. I mean, we got Kevin people out here trying to be Kevin Johnson truthers and Adam Adam Humphreys truthers at romanticizing false narratives out there. I mean, speaking about living fantasy world, I think all three of our next topics are, are all about living in a fantasy world. All of them. Well, well, what <laughs> one of the non-fantasy worlds we have is uh, <laughs> the Titans signed <laughs> Kevin Johnson, uh, former quarter from uh, the Browns. Um, what do you think, Zach? Do you like this signing? The hell no. This is an awful signing. <laughs> and, and miss me with this, oh, he's just a depth signing. First off, we don't know what the contract numbers are. But second off, if we have learned anything from Jonathan Joseph and Anthony Midget and Mike Vrabel, they love their guys, and this guy's going to find a lot of playing time and availability. And let me tell you something. I've seen people share clips of, oh, he got a pick six, or, oh, he got this sack, and blah, blah. I've seen him. This pick six was in week four, I think, of the preseason versus Will Greer in the second quarter of a uh, Bills versus Panthers game. Like, that doesn't count in in real life. That doesn't count. Let me tell you why. Because he is still playing into the second quarter of a meaningless preseason game 
And his pick six came off of Will fucking Greer. Will Greer, a rookie, I believe, at the time, by the way, that this pick six was thrown. That's a fucking prove anything. The man has one career interception in games that matter. And you know what? what? He just came off his second worst season of his NFL career, and he's turning 29. Do you know when his worst season was? When Vrabel was his defensive coordinator. When I believe Anthony Midget was his coach. This is not a good situation that this guy could see the field because what is going to happen is that he's probably going to allow a 137 or better passer rating in the slot and two pass breakups and zero interceptions. Look, what you hope is that this, they, this team drafts a corner really high at this point because there is no way that they can wait around to the fourth round and draft a corner or fifth round and draft a corner then. And then you guys, then, you know, Kevin Johnson somehow doesn't see the field. As of right now, Kevin Johnson's your starting nickel corner. So you got to hope and pray that they spend high draft capital on a corner. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't like Kevin Johnson. I don't think he's a good football player. Um, I, I made fun of him a lot when he was with the Texans because he was always bad and, and, and or hurt. Um, so, I mean, obviously, like, the guy was talented uh, coming out of Wake Forest. Like, you don't end up – I think he was, like, the 16th overall pick. Uh, you generally don't end up as the 16th overall pick unless there's something – uh interesting about you from a talent standpoint it's never really clicked uh for him anywhere you know he bounced around from uh the texans to the the bills to the browns um you know he's he played that last year was the first year he really played in the slot and i know uh paul kowarski tweeted out that the titans view him as a slot uh option um you know We'll see what, what happens with that. I, I think he's kind of a placeholder right now, and, and they're probably going to draft somebody uh, at that spot um, to come in and at least compete with them. I mean, if nothing else, you know, you want somebody pretty high to come in and, and hopefully push him out of a job and make him the fourth corner, which you'd feel a lot better about at that point. But, yeah, I, not, not crazy about that. That's the most head-scratcher uh, or the biggest head-scratcher, I think, among all the, the Titan signings to this point is, is Kevin Johnson. But I don't know. Well, they, need, they need some more help at corner. They should not be done there. So I want to get into a topic that Zach had up for us, and, and I'm going to let you all kind of lead into it a little bit because I'm not sh quite sure I know the depth of stupidity that's been going on with the Titans fan base. But um, – are J. Rob and Vrabel just accepting mediocrity? Is is it possible that we're never going to win anything big with them? <laughs> I I I think that Mike Vrabel could be a Super Bowl winning head coach, and I think that John Robinson can be a a he's a he's a top one of the best GMs. It's not can be he is one of the top GMs in the NFL. If you go around the league and you look at some of the other GMs. He's probably better than, I don't know, 25 of them, maybe even a higher number than that. I mean, that's really good, right? I mean, you would have team if you fire John Robson, you would have teams that would probably, at a drop of a hat, give them some bullshit title until they can fire their GM after the season starts or something. Like, that's just, that's what would happen. Here's the problem, is that you have people, there's multiple sides to this argument. 
you have people that say stuff and I'll name names, Xander Mercury, literally when Kyle Fuller was cut, he said, if John Robinson does not make an effort to sign Kyle Fuller, he should be fired. Five minutes later, Kyle Fuller, literally no joke, after he was cut, five minutes later, Kyle Fuller agrees to a deal with the with the Denver Broncos where his former defensive coordinator is head coach. When Kyle Fuller was cut, there was no way he was coming to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it was everybody pegged the Denver Broncos as the team he was going to. Okay? Maybe a little facetious. Obviously, you know, whatever. But it leads into this thing that, where you see uh, it's not just high pockets uh, at high pockets, 84, Kevin Johnson, not related to the other Kevin Johnson, but then it goes into this thing of the 92% and the 8% blah, blah. There are people who think that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel do no wrong. Uh, I'd say 99% of the time that Mike Herndon is that guy. There are times where he just no, is a company man. Bullshit, Zach. And, and he is that guy. You're I mean, bullshit. listen, I get it. There's some people that are like that. However, there, there's a difference between, <laughs> there's a difference between here, wanting a guy fired and saying that he's not good at anything and that he's mediocre versus not real. You can, you can agree that, John Robson and Mike Vrabel failed us in 2020. They, they ultimately, it, it was a failure. Now, a hey, lot of it, by the way, I've said that Zach, I don't think you have, <laughs> you, you are, you are firmly in the I blame the players have. camp. Um, many, many the, <laughs> the, they, they failed us. They did not, we did not meet expectations or we did not see expectations met and they failed us. But, 11 and five in an AFC South championship is nothing to just, you know, throw your nose up at, which is what people are doing. But they but they didn't meet expectations, but that was very close, right? I mean, that's pretty close to expectations being met, and there are some good things to take away, and you hope that the next steps are of this season do not repeat the steps of last season. Listen, if they have another offseason like last season and in a, in a, they maybe go like uh, with the 17 game, 10 and seven and they don't win the AFC South or 10 and seven, they lose a home playoff game. That's not good. And that's a step in the wrong direction. And, you know, you got to take some positives with the negatives. I hope that everything turns out right, but that they are on thin ice, but you don't just condemn everything and just say everything they've done ever is mediocrity. Cause that's what you're seeing. People are throwing out the 2019 draft class. People are throwing out what they he's done to change the 20, 15 roster to what it was in 2016. They're throwing out all the winning seasons we've had under J-Rob because there's no Super Bowl. Which are all of Tampa them. Tampa Bay, it's taken, what, 20 years for Tampa Bay to win a fucking Super Bowl? Like, Super Bowls aren't easy to get, guys. They're, 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 they're very hard to get. And in a down cap year, it's probably going to be even harder. But I feel that they've made moves and they view... I think they're working on... When John Robson came in, he was getting malarkey guys, right? He was drafting teams for a malarkey team, a malarkey defense. Now we're slowly seeing a Vrabel team come together and a Mike Vrabel defense. Is that going to be good? I don't know, to be honest with you. It's fucking scary. Like, I am mortified of this coming season because it's 
filled with a shit ton of unknown. We've already talked about the wide receivers. We don't exactly know what the defense is, even though that there are some players who are coming out to defend Shane Bowen. There are some, and then you had the Wesley Woodyard comments from last week, which I don't even think we got into at all last week. Just hit me. But then apparently Wesley Woodyard went on to defend Shane Bowen at other points. I don't know what to expect from this team, and that's what's scary. But I'm at least going to give it this season to make my decision on whether they can rebound or not. I mean, one season, if if last season was mediocrity, where Vic Beasley gave up, Jadavion Clowney gets injured, half the team gets injured, and we still see the Tennessee Titans go 11-5 and and make it to the playoffs and win the AFC South, if that's mediocrity, I would rather settle for that then go back to what we had previously because you're not going to find a currently. I don't think you're going to find a better GM out on the streets. That is readily available. I don't think you're going to find a better head coach that is readily available out on the streets. If you do your firings right now, I just, I don't understand why there can't be the, the people who think that J Rob does nothing wrong and Mike Vrabel does nothing wrong. And the people that think that everything they do sucks can't come together in the middle. And let's be, instead of the 92% and the 8%, let's be the 100%. My platform I oh, run wow, on, Zach Lyons for president. Here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with, with the John Robinson deal. I, I think the people who want him fired and think he's terrible or, or you know that he can never do anything or lead this team to a, a Super Bowl, they are people that only follow the Titans. Like, they follow everything that the Titans do. I don't think they look around the NFL because – Let's let's take a look at some franchises that I think everyone would probably agree have been pretty well run uh, here lately, right? So let's take a look at the Chiefs' recent drafts. Um, so obviously, 2017 they land Patrick Mahomes, but here's their uh, their just day day one and day two picks. So first three round picks uh, since then. Breland speaks uh, in the second round in 2018. Uh, Derek Nadi in the third round. Dorian O'Daniel in the third round. Mikol Hardman in the second round, Juan Thornhill, who's pretty good in the second round, Kalen Saunders in the third round, Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round, uh, Willie Gay Jr. in the second round, Lucas Niang in the third round. Are they knocking all those picks out of the park? I don't think like Juan Thornhill is probably the one starter that they've actually got out of that. I think Derek Nadi has is, is played some for them uh, as a nose tackle. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire played a little bit last year, but wasn't all that impressive, to be honest. Um, are are we uh, are we over the moon with with that those draft classes uh, from the Chiefs? No, but I mean that's a pretty well run team. I think everyone agrees. All right, how about the Ravens? The Ravens, everyone always fawns over. Oh, the Ravens are so smart. They took Hayden Hurst in the first round uh, in 2018, and and he's you know been off of the roster uh, there for for a year now. Um, they took uh, Marquise Brown, who has not panned out for them at all in the first round in 2019. They took Jalen Ferguson in the third round, who's done nothing for them. Uh, Miles Boykin in the third round, who's done nothing for them. Uh, last year, they took Patrick Queen, who was awful as a rookie. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was fine. Justin Matabuke didn't do anything for him. So spare me some of the Oh, well, if you look at, oh, well, Kevin Dodd, Kevin Dodd, uh, Isaiah Wilson, like, yes, those are bad picks. Those absolutely bad picks. And Isaiah Wilson is a disaster of a pick, like no doubt about it. Like burn, burn that pick. It's, it's a travesty what they did. With and that it will pick. always be attached to John Robinson, right? Absolutely. So like, yeah, that, that goes can, on. His I resume. think you can expect that this draft he's determined more than ever 
to fucking crush it. Like this is going to be like to me. I think you're going to see a 2019 style draft from. It's from it's a Titans. critical draft for him, and and I think if you look at, you've got to look at the big picture, right? You've got to look at all right, what's the hit rate for other teams? Because if you just look at your team, sure, you can always look at it and say, well, they, they're stupid. They should have picked this guy instead of that guy. Like, that happens with literally every team. Like, like the Bears willingly traded up and chose Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Nothing John Robinson has done has wrote, risen to the level of that. And by the way, Ryan Pace still has a job. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about improving the football team. So if you're going to look at all the bad and focus on the bad, sure, you can say, all right, this guy's an idiot. I can't believe he did this and this. But he also traded a fourth-round pick for Ryan Tannehill and then turned around and signed him last offseason to a really good contract that doesn't even pay him in the top ten among quarterbacks, even though he's clearly performing at a top-five level right now. Uh, he also drafted Derrick Henry in the second round. He drafted Kevin Byard in the third round. No, Byard's coming off a down year, but he's been really good. Um there are positives in, in the grand scheme of things. The team has gotten better and better. You know, they were nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, but they were improving along those nine and sevens. They got to the AFC championship game at the fourth nine and seven, and then went 11 and five and finally broke through last year, won the division and all that. There has been signs of steady improvement of the roster. The fact that you've got guys in free agency, like Corey Davis and Johnny Smith getting big money from other teams tells you that, Hey, those guys when's the last time the Titans had a bunch of free agents that everyone wanted? Like almost never. And, you know, obviously you would prefer to draft and be able to keep guys that you like, but the fact that you can draft guys and have other teams desperately want them and overpay them uh, four years later is a sign that you're finding good players, right? Like that never and happened. Listen, the Patriots previously. did that for all through their Super Bowl runs, all yes. the Super Bowls they won. They let players go and get paid crazy amount of money in free agency. And you know what? They dra- they never really they actually just signed cheaper veteran players. Yes. And and basically filled those holes because they believe in the system. Right. I, I'll be honest, I have a hard time believing in the system on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, I'm at least willing to say, okay, obviously they didn't they think that they didn't run the the they didn't have the players to run the system that they wanted and they just basically gutted that defense and they're building it from the ground up with players that they do want that do fit what they're looking to do on the field and that is what that's the plan now listen I'll, I'll, that plan could backfire but we'll I, see i will say this to build off mike's comment that if if J-Rob is nothing else but acutely self-aware and team-aware. And I do believe that he knows that he has to knock it out of the park and kill it for this draft, right? For him personally, for the team to continue the momentum forward. Because a, a, a stalling year in momentum right now would be pretty bad, right? You got multiple components that would start to come apart at the seams here in a couple of years, namely like Derrick Henry has got a shelf life, right? So each year that we don't accomplish Super Bowls or deep playoff runs with him on the roster is just another illusion. That That's a very small example, but I don't think you can accuse, you know, Robinson of being non self-aware. And while that may sound, you know, completely nonsensical there are quite a few teams out there with quite a few gms that don't seem to be self-aware and have their head in the clouds and kind of it almost seems like they're picking a team just on a whim but that's where i do trust robinson that 
if anyone's going to try to knock it out of the park, especially in the top two rounds this year, it's Robinson. But how well do those components marry together with his vision and with Rabel's running the team? This It's a crucial, crucial year. It's a crucial year yeah. to keep both of them from having seats from heating up. So I I, th- I think if, if you're a Titans fan and you want to believe that your team is on the right trajectory, I think you have the right man at the helm to understand the position they're in. And I think that's a good place to be because sometimes when you're dealing with adversity, especially if any of you out there have, you know, jobs, you're having to deal with a lot of adversity and you have to look to leadership to make sure your company's running in the right direction. John Robinson's the type of person you would want in a CEO type, you know, senior management type position to lead you through, you know, rough times to get to better times. Well, I just want to say one thing. I've been, I've been, it's been in my head this whole time. And listen, I just all I want to say, you're talking about a D minus off season that led to a B minus B minus regular season. That's a pretty big difference. And so kudos to, to really Vrabel and John Robinson for somehow putting together a defense, our team that faced a lot of injuries throughout the year on the offensive line, on the defense as a whole that went 11 and five and won the AFC South championship. I mean, that's still impressive while it did not meet expectations, did not meet mine, it did not meet many, many fans' expectations, that is still an impressive feat. So let's uh, let's see what they can do with the good offseason now. Yeah, and, and I would also like to add just that John Robinson and, and Mike Vrabel, like, it, calling for them to be fired is just asinine at this point. Like, you, you don't fire a coach coming off uh, an 11 and five season. That was the best season that your team has had in 12 years. Like that's just not something you do. Um, so they're going to see it out. And frankly, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of scenarios where they get fired even after this season, even if it's not a great season, like if they were, if they regress to 500 ish and miss the playoffs, like I think people will be upset and I think the heat will certainly turn up. Uh, but I can't imagine them firing him. Like you also have to realize that firing, coaches and firing gms is hugely detrimental to your overall franchise like that sets you way back like because now you're bringing in new guys and you've got the new guy wants his roster and the new guy wants his scheme and you're changing all the parts and pieces out so that you can get to that scheme and there's always growing pains with that like very rarely do you hire a coach and he immediately just goes boom all right well now we're super bowl contenders like that it takes years to rebuild that and when you do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again like the titans have over the past decade that's how you end up at two and 14 and and three and 13 like they were in in 14 and 15 so um you got to have a little bit of patience with this thing like yeah i want to win the super bowl every year like everyone else but it it, only one of 32 teams gets to do that and and that doesn't mean that every other team needs to fire their coach and gm after the year like that's how you get that's how you become permanently bad uh, is you just keep firing guys after two to three years because you're trying to find the, uh, the savior. And th- frankly, you got to give these time guys time to build their program and, and kind of build the roster for what they want and guys that fit who they, you know, who they want this team to be. So I think they're getting there. They're they're It's been a slow build, but it's progress. Would you all like to end the episode by dunking on Urban Meyer? I think I would like to end the episode by dunking on Urban Meyer. 
So let's let's start because this guy's just such an asshole. I just absolutely love talking about what an asshole he is. Urban Meyer last Friday decided to come out and say that he's not a fan of how free agency works currently in the NFL. Uh, basically, he's not a fan of negotiating and signing players without I ever met them. Let me read his little quote because this is delicious. Yeah, that was awful, Meyer said. I don't agree with it. But no one asked my opinion. I guess in the old days, you could bring them in and meet with them, have dinner with them, and you find out the football intellect, find out their character. The thing you don't do, I found out, is to call someone who has skin in the game because they were going to not quite, I don't see honest as a very appropriate word. So we did a deep dive. Every guy that we signed, we did. Let me paraphrase that. He's basically talking about that he can't meet with these people face-to-face, so he can't correctly identify and evaluate their character. Okay, I'm going to start with two people. Chris Doyle, how'd you do on his character? And, oh, I don't know, old murder spree Aaron Hernandez? How did that work out for you? Did you identify his character correctly? Urban Meyer is so full of shit. And he is already planting the seeds, and he should be dropping little hints for you that this man is going to have a terminal case of scoliosis that's going to take him out of the game in two years. And it's going to be a tearful goodbye in the middle of the year when he drops a note in his players' lockers and just bails. This guy well, just fucking sucks. Well, don't forget Zach Smith. Like, spare me, you know, the. Yeah, the don't coach, forget yeah. Zach Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, spare me this idea that character is high up in your list and Ugh. spare me that you did deep dives into the fucking losers that you signed in this offseason. Give me a break. This guy is, he sucks so bad and he's going to fail miserably and waste years of Trevor Lawrence's, you know, career. And it's, it's bad. I mean, this guy is like crybabying around that he, that he has to do what all 31 other teams have done the last two or three years. Give me a break, man up. And sign some people if you want to sign it, but don't spare us this character issue. Like, okay, like I mean, who do you think you're fooling here? I mean, you signed a racist, you went and recruited a murderer, and now and then you also kept employed and hid his secrets of a domestic abuser. But you're you're all sad because you can't meet these players and you can't judge their character. Okay. Okay. Spare me, Urban Meyer. Yeah, I'm. I'm in the same boat. Like this dude is a grade A uh, hypocrite. Like it, I want to know about their character. Like you don't care about character. You care about what they can do for you on the field. Like that. That is. That's been your mo the entire time you were at Florida, Ohio State. Like it, we know who you are, Urban. Like you're not fooling anyone. So uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited for this urban Meyer uh, train wreck to really reveal itself over the next couple of years. Cause I would imagine like the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, even if he is really, really good. And I think he's got a chance to be, there's no way they're going to be an above 500 football team this year. Like there, there just isn't a way they're, they they do not have the roster talent. Their defense is going to be horrific uh, no matter what, you know, Trevor Lawrence does. And, and then, Trevor, Trevor, rookie quarterbacks just typically don't, you know, all of a sudden lift an entire program. So 
I think he's going to lose. I think he's going to be very, very frustrated with that. And we'll see if he lasts more than two years. Like, I think two years is, is like the, the point, like if he's what, you know, five and 11 or no five and 12. Now I've got to get used to the 17 game thing. If he's five and 12 next year. And then he's like, you know, seven and 10, then the following year, is he going to stick around for year three? Like, do we see that actually happening? I, I don't. I, I think if he's not winning by year two, I think he's going to bail. If Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl this year, I will change the podcast name to Irby Ball and other Irby words. You'll but never hear me or see me anywhere ever again if they win a Super Bowl in the next with Urban Meyer. You'll <laughs> just see, I just won't exist. I'll poof, gone. So, so let me just put this out there. If Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl this year under Urban Meyer, this podcast will not exist anymore. Nope. I cannot get in front of this mic and live in an NFL world where this man has won a championship year one or at all. That's also a big lie. We like to hear ourselves talk. We'll probably be in front of the microphone. Um, but, we'll just record for ourselves. That's We will record for ourselves. We'll release it out there. I can't guarantee what we're going to talk about, but it's just going to be self-therapy. Um, thank you. All. Like the, uh, like the famous lost episode. Yeah. You, what, why you night? Why night with of? the boys? <laughs> one, the one night episode was yeah. all time. We we have multiple lost episodes. You speak as if it was a one off. We do. Pretty sure we have a catalog of episodes. <laughs> well, I think we did are. record two episodes that night. So oh, that yeah, no, there was alcohol, screaming, thank concussions. God, concussions, concussions. That that no, thank God that was scrubbed <laughs> from the record. Uh, oh my God. Early days of the podcast were a little horrifying. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Zach, Zach's string of, oh, sorry, I'm ruining your outro here. Zach's string of one word answers <laughs> during that episode was tremendous. There was an episode. I, I was joking. We'll release it at one point for, for like. I always joke with Mike and Zach all fair, all fair, off Mike about this, but it, one of my favorite stories early in the podcast if you all remember, we used to have a couple of beverages while we would record. There was a night where Zach and I were recording. We decided to use bourbon instead of beer that night, and it, it got out of hand. Quite 45 minutes into a podcast, we, we could barely speak anymore. At one point, I looked over. Zach still had an entire sheet of stuff he wanted to go over, and he just looks at me and goes, well, that's going to do it for us tonight. <laughs> and that was the end of the podcast, and we decided to leave it there. Um that's actually where we're going to leave you all today. It's football and other F words. We always appreciate you tuning in. We're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please come check us out. Um, we will be here with you through the rest of free agency, through the draft, and through the absolute dead season that comes right after the draft, which is lovely off season. We'll be here to entertain you. Um, again, rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you find our podcast. Please share it with your buddies and your friends. For Zach Lyons, Michael Herndon, and myself, Michael Gillum, you just been out. A Broadway Sports Media Production.